Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, despite limping towards the end of the year, we are feeling quite sentimental. Jingle bells, strata cells, Ferrari seek you go away. John Trowbridge has the final sleigh on the steadfast sponsored strata remuneration report. And I think that's enough. The mainstream media think RACQ Insurance's future is elfin hilarious. And regulators put life insurers on Santa's naughty list with concerns over possible claims payment issues. Hello, everyone. In this last podcast for 2022, I'll be putting lots of crackers to get the jokes for my intros in 2023. This week, I'm joined by editor John Deeks, deputy editor Wendy Pugh, and senior journalist Benice Han. Hello, John. Hello. Is it Santa Claus or Father Christmas for you? Oh, always Father Christmas. Of course, of course it is. And good morning, Benice. Good morning, Andrew. While other secular celebrations should be acknowledged, what will you be doing over the break? I'm preparing a big feast. <laughs> so... Excellent, excellent. But wait, there's Murr. Hello, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. What do you want John to get you for Christmas? <laughs> well, you know, I always like surprises. So I'm I'm actually just looking forward to seeing what I get from the bad Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Well, on to more serious topic. There's a major report out looking at strata remuneration, Wendy. What does it say and what happens next? Well, this is the uh, second report that's part of a review of the strata sector by John Trowbridge, which was commissioned by Steadfast. So the first one looked at disclosure and this one looks at remuneration of intermediaries, which I think is a more controversial kind of an area. But the interesting thing in this sector is that, you know, in strata, you have two intermediaries, which are the uh, strata managers and the brokers with the clients, obviously the, uh, the property owners. So he points out that there are commonly these commission and fee arrangements that have been agreed between the brokers and strata managers where the you know money passes between them and these arrangements aren't clear to the apartment owners and as, as a result there's a potential for conflicts of interest there uh, so he he proposes phasing out convoluted practices that are opaque and introducing something else whether it's you know commissions focused or or fees own, only but you know both the strata managers and the brokers are providing important services so they both need to be remediated it's just a matter of making tidying it up a bit I guess from what he's saying so he recommends a timeline for change but it's up to industry participants whether they want to take that on board do you think the industry will need a change John Probably, yes. I guess if you compare this to the broker commissions issue more generally, Michelle Livy, the quality of advice reviewer, has decided that even though broker commissions aren't ideal, they can stay because they don't do any real harm. And I don't think John Trowbridge is suggesting that these arrangements in Strata do real harm to the consumer either. The thing is, they're just so much more complicated than your average broker commission. And if people can't understand how it's working, then they can't, maybe they can't have real trust in the system, even if they're not uh, being harmed in any way. So, yeah, these convoluted arrangements, as Trowbridge puts it, have sort of developed over time. And maybe it, it would be a good idea just to sort of look at it all afresh and start with a blank slate and say, well, yes, we need strata managers. Yes, we need brokers. And they both need to be paid for their work. But is there a better and more clearer way to arrange that? Well, let's talk about life insurance, Benice. Insurers have come under serious fire from regulators in the run-up to Christmas. 
Uh, yes, so some serious Christmas fireworks indeed from the regulators. So ASIC and APRA have flagged concerns over the way life insurers have applied premium increases, particularly for policies with so-called level pricing structure. So just very briefly, um, level pricing is an industry term for non-step premiums, but consumers are confused. Um, they're under the impression that premiums won't go up and AFCA has received a number of complaints uh, as we've been reporting all year. So uh, back to the regulators, um, they're saying that these increases may not have been made in accordance with the policy terms. They're also uh, concerned that some life insurers may not have acted as they say they would in their disclosure and marketing materials. And the lapses, according to the regulators, also point to possible system lack of oversight. So um, they have ordered the industry to undertake a thorough review of the of their past pricing practices and to report back to ASIC by March 31st next year. And to also um, set out a plan, let ASIC know how they intend to iron out the problems. We've seen some of the same issues affecting the general insurance industry, haven't we, John? Yes, that's right. In terms of claims handling, ASIC is having a close look at that for the general insurers, particularly after natural catastrophes. It wrote to the boards of insurance companies recently, spelling out expectations for claims handling during the upcoming summer season. ASIC is also carrying out a review from the consumer perspective on claims, and it will be reporting its findings by the middle of next year. So we wait to see what the outcome of that is. But um, on the pricing issues, the general insurance, I think we're a bit ahead of the life insurers on on that one. The, The issues with general insurance pricing came out this year. We've had a number of companies come forward to say that they have made errors and they're going to be paying back money to consumers to make up for that. It seems like there might be similar issues with life insurance, but uh, on the general insurance side, I suppose we hope that most of the problems have been discovered by this point and uh, it won't be long before the remediation is complete and we can move on. Well, John, we've also reported on a couple of newspaper articles that speculate on the future of RACQ insurance. Apart from my terrible singing at the start, what's going on? Yeah, so RACQ insurance has, has had a few problems recently. You know, all the natural catastrophes have had had a, an impact on the business. And there's also been quite a major issue with pricing. As we just mentioned there, RACQ was one of the companies that came forward to say they had made uh, made some errors and were, were remediating that. Now, there was a report in the Courier-Mail recently saying that RACQ was close to a deal with IAG to sell its insurance operations for $500 million. They quoted sources familiar with the matter, and they seemed pretty confident in publishing that article. There was then another article published in the Australian Financial Review, which was a little bit more circumspect. It said that RACQ is looking at at, at options, but a range of options and a, and a full-on sale is just one of those. There could be something more like a, a multi-year quota share reinsurance deal on the cards in, instead. But um, yeah, there's, I guess there's something going on, but no, as ever in, in these situations, nobody will publicly confirm the state of play. RACQ says it's just market speculation and they they won't comment on it. IAG declined to comment at all. So really, it's just a case of watch this space, I guess. Didn't we report a couple of weeks ago that RACQ Insurance had a new CEO? Yes, that's right. Well, a new uh, group executive insurance, Trent Sayers, was appointed. 
Uh, that was an internal promotion. He had been acting in the role for, following the departure of Tracy Green earlier in the year. Well, Wendy, what's your gut feel? Could there be something in this? Oh, I think, you know, there could be just because given recent experience, they're bound to be just looking at ways they can improve things. If they can find a way to still be offering insurance to their membership while also perhaps reducing their own risks, I mean, that might prove to be attractive. And, you know, you have, you know, in RACV, the RACV in Victoria, you know, they have a joint venture kind of model there. And I mean, there are all sorts of alternatives that uh, could be considered. So, I'm, you know, I imagine if there was an interested party who put something attractive on the table that, you know, it, it might it might well be taken up. But as John says, you know, all sorts of things are uh, possible. We'll just have to wait and see. Well, Bernice, building on floodplains has been discussed at National Cabinet. Was anything agreed? So basically at the National Cabinet meeting on Friday, um, disaster recovery and resilience were one of the topics. And they've agreed to develop a national standard as part of land use planning reform. And uh, it's a significant step forward for insurers, basically. Uh, the insurance council in the run-up to the federal election in May uh, basically pushed for reforms in this area, essentially saying land use planning must start to focus on mitigation and impacts of a disaster at the time of planning approval. So the national standard were taking into consideration disaster and climate risk, um, basically setting rules, I, I, I suppose, on future development, including on floodplains. The planning ministers will report back to National Cabinet next year. Uh, they have not set a time frame on when they will report back, but sometime next year. And uh, hopefully we'll get more details then on the standard. But a statement after the meeting on Friday did say, quote unquote, the days of developing on floodplains need to end. So we'll have to just wait and see what it all means when you no know, more details are available. Well, Wendy, it sounds like we're, we're getting somewhere on this issue. Why does insurers care so much about it? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely getting somewhere, I think, because, I mean, it's pretty significant that it's, um, you know, gone to national uh, cabinet, um, given that, you know, the issue's been around for, for so long. But, I, you know, I think this year's record-breaking uh, flooding has just really, you know, energised the whole issue and it's really put the focus back on poor planning and issues of accessibility and affordability you know, and, and insurers really can't provide affordable premiums for properties that are inevitably going to flood. And at the same time, you know, that the industry takes a lot of heat, you know, when um, there's flooding and people say they're not covered and, you know, insurance wasn't available. So, you know, the whole issue really needs to be addressed at a national level. And, and um, so hopefully there'll be progress on that sooner rather than later and before, you know, the weather turns and we forget about floods and start worrying about bushfires. Well, finally, John, the December-January edition of Insurance News magazine is uh, winging its way to subscribers as we speak. What can readers look forward to? Yes, Andrew, it's a, it's a must-read issue as ever. The cover interview is with QBE Group CEO Andrew Horton. Uh, he's been in position for more than a year now after moving over from the UK. He was previously heading up Beasley in the UK there. So, He's got lots of thoughts. He thinks QBE is, is on track. He's got it heading in the right direction after focusing on some staffing issues, the US market, and they've got big plans for the SME market here in Australia. Uh, but he does flag an industry issue which is, which is bothering him. Basically, it surrounds the amount of capacity that's available to underwriters and how that may reduce at the same time as demand for it increases. So he sees a crunch coming 
And you can read all about that in the magazine. Also, it's that time of year again where we publish our top 20 list of industry influencers and influencers. And we changed it up this year a little bit with some outside the box thinking. So it's not just all the usual names this time. We have a look back at 12 months of flooding. It's been a year like no other for, for flooding, that's for sure. And we also list the stories that have appeared on insurancenews.com.au that have been most popular with the readers. There's plenty more besides that. Look out for the magazine as it drops into mailboxes and, and online soon. I can reiterate, it is a cracker, a Christmas cracker. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News and the last edition for 2022. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks, Bernice Han and Wendy Pugh. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening across 2022. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all of these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next year.